We'll be reading out of the book of Acts. This is the uh, part number 43, to the end of the earth. We will read Acts in the 16th chapter, verses 11 through 24. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to, to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. After she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought to her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to that spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrate, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had and when they had afflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordered the jail to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. That's our scripture reading for the day. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for this sermon, the tale of two women. Father, we just pray that your word would be preached in power and truth, but also in love. We thank you for our cornerstone families. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Church, please just say amen. amen. Well, once again, we want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms here. Come on, look at someone. Just say happy Mother's Day. Make sure it's a mother, though. <laughs> also, we want to say happy Mother's Day to you mothers who are viewing online. And we also invite you online and those who are believers to join us in communion or the Lord's Supper a little later. I have a mom also too. You probably didn't know that. And I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mom, Sandra Jefferson. My mom is beautiful. She's a believer. She's a wife. She's a sister. She's a mother. She's an artist. I love you, mom. I had to get that in, you guys, okay? Praise the Lord. Again, we just read in Acts chapter 16, 11 through 24. But we're also going to go back a little bit again in the book of Acts, where we were at last week. We were in Acts 16, 1 through 5, because I have to give you a little bit of reminder as we move forward in this book. 
So let's go back to last week's sermon by Pastor Tim. We're in Acts 16, verses 1 through 5. So I'll read. Let me go back. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. And a, and a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them the observations, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily. So last week, if you remember correctly in the sermon, Pastor Tim stated that we should observe well the passage. He explained that this was a ministry team and that it was focused, this part of the passage, especially on Timothy as he was to be discipled by Paul. And if you remember last week, it was very important that we studied and looked at what kind of character did Paul and the team look for in young Timothy. And when we looked at that, Pastor Tim had three points. And if you can remember, I think the first one was that he was to be teachable. Remember that? Shake your head. Remember that? Teachable was one. Another one was that he would be humble. These were the signs that they were looking for and that we are also looking for right now as we are making disciples at Cornerstone, as we are having a paradigm shift in the vision of this church. So once again, it was teachable, it was humble, and the last one is that looking for people that are faithful. Now we understand that Timothy had all these characters. He was raised by his grandmother and his mother. His grandmother's name was Lois. His mother's name was Eunice. And more than likely, these two women got saved even when Paul was there earlier on one of his other missionary trips. Now, as we move forward and tie this together, these verses in 11 through 25, we want to again observe these verses. But also while focusing on Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, in their prospective roles towards discipleship. And as you listen to this message today, constantly keep in mind the paradigm shift in the vision at Cornerstone as we purpose to multiply worshipers, disciples, and churches. Say amen. Now let's go back to chapter 16, verses 11 through 24. We will start verses 11 and 12. Now, this team sets sail and ends up at a Roman colony, which is the leading uh, uh, city of that district of Macedonia. And they stayed there several days. This city was known um, for a famous past battle. It was known for gold mines, and it was also known for famous schools of medicine. And in verse 13, it says that, they went to try to find a place of prayer. Now, a congregation back then was made up. It had to have at least 10 men or a quorum of 10. And when 10 men would gather regularly, 
then they would then form a synagogue. Now, at this time, there was no synagogue there. So what they did was the women and the men, they would go down by the river to find a place to pray, hoping that a teacher or someone would come by to bless them or give them exhortation. Now, Paul and his team, and remember, his team is made up of Silas, of Luke, and also Timothy, and they went down and they found some women who had gathered by the river to pray and to read. They were reading from the law of the prophets, once again in hopes that a teacher would come by and that they receive a blessing. Now, Paul and his team sat down and began to speak to these women. It's interesting note that I often marvel at the boldness of God's disciples. I pray that we would have the same boldness to witness as we move forward in the coming weeks to the Let's Go Weekend. Because think about this. Paul and these men found themselves in the midst of a group of women. Not necessarily the custom of that day. And they sit down in this group of women and they begin to speak the oracles of the word of God. Interesting that there is no fear that they just knew they had to be a witness and preach the word. Now in verse 14 and 15, it says the Lydian lady or the worshiper of God or the God-fearing lady that she might have been, if you'll study out the scripture, she might have been a widow or unmarried. And there were also some other women who history states were probably her servants and maybe even some of them her relatives. It said that she heard the Christian message and she and her household, which were mostly women, were baptized. And then at that point, this is interesting, they all went to Lydia's house. She pressed on them to these men and said, if you really believe that I'm saved, if you really believe that I'm a believer, then please come to our house and abide with us. We find out later, this is very interesting, that this house and this woman in this particular setting was the beginning of the church of Philippi. The story has it, and some say, that Luke and Lydia, or some would call this lady the lady, the Lydian lady, they don't know if that was her real name, but this is where this church was established. When we study back, we find out that maybe they called her Lydia because of where she was from. So some people called her the Lydian lady, but actually her real name was Yodia. Again, as we go further in scripture, I look at this setting and I look at the boldness of the believers, especially in preparation as we are preparing for this Let's Go Weekend. As we are preparing at Cornerstone and the new vision to make disciples and the boldness that it takes, they were walking in it. And the interesting thing was they were discipling Timothy all along the way. Verses 19 through 24. Now we see that 
they were going out to a place to pray again. Amen? And as they were going out, there was a slave girl. And the owners of the slave girl were upset because Paul and his team, they delivered her. They casted out the demonic spirit. She was going around speaking and she was saying, these are men of God who bring salvation. And at first, maybe Paul and the team were maybe using it for a sense of advertisement because it was making people come around. But the scripture says that after day after day, Paul began to become annoyed. And then he cast that spirit out of her. And when that happened, the owners grew very upset because they could no longer use her for financial gain. So they physically seized the leaders of that group, which were Paul and Silas. I often wonder, too, what happened to Luke and Timothy. When they saw this going down, did they step back and go, wait, wait, they're, they're coming towards us? Or did the others, these men, they just said, let's grab the main ones, the leaders. They seized them physically and brought them before the majesty. And they made accusations against them. And the crowd that was there began to attack them. And they were ordered to be stripped and beaten with rods. They were thrown into prison and the jailer was ordered to keep them safely as they were placed in their inner prison and chained in stocks. Now before we go to verse 25, I want you to observe something that very seldom do we see in this portion of scripture. The discipleship strategy of Paul and his team was a hands-on process, not just textbook. So remember, they called Timothy to go on this trip with them. As they knew of his character to be teachable, humble, and faithful. But now they would walk with him as they discipled him. And it's interesting that they had him right there and they were examples of how to walk a godly life and how to be ministers of the oracles of God. They showed him by example and hands-on as they took this woman through deliverance. They were an example to Timothy as they sought out daily for a place to pray and how they, it didn't matter if it was men or women or what the cultural setting was, they were always ready to deliver the word. This was all in the teaching process for Timothy. Even as we set out in the let's go weekend coming up, that those who are more seasoned and those who are disciples would lead others by showing them the way.
I look at my life. My testimony of being discipled by two different men. One guy's name was Pastor Boudoir. And when I got saved, I was under his discipleship. He taught me the word of God. This man had never been in a Bible college, but he was known as a walking, talking Bible. He never needed the Bible in front of him. He memorized the whole thing from Genesis to Revelation. Knew every scripture could just go on and on and teach. And I traveled with him as he was also an evangelist and a faith healer. And I was new to the gospel as I would sit in the meetings and do worship for him and people would come up and I was privileged to watch legs grow out and arms grow out and people get healed. It was just amazing to be, to be saved six months and see this happen. I was in situations to where we would see demons casted out of people and I was just, I just couldn't believe what was going on. And he discipled me. I traveled with him. I would pick his clothes up from the cleaners. I would go get him food. I would drive him places. I would watch out for him as we park on the side of the road if he had to take a nap. When he went places, I followed him. I sat in front of his house and waited until he was ready to go somewhere. When he visited with other pastors, I just sat in the background and listened to them. He was discipling me. I wanted to know. I wanted to serve. How do you walk under this mantle? At one time, at three o'clock in the morning, he called me. He said, Mark? I said, yes, sir. He said, I need ice cream. It's three o'clock in the morning. He said, I need some Briars vanilla bean, ice Pacific, ice cream, and also a purple or grape soda. That's insane. How are you going to call me at 3 a.m.? There was no doubt. He was my rabbi. He was my teacher. I got up, went to one store. They didn't have vanilla bean. They just had regular. He said vanilla bean. I went to another store all the way across town, found the ice cream, had to go to a couple different convenience stores to find the grape soda. I found the grape soda, ice cream starting to melt. I get to his door at 5 a.m. His wife answers the door and said, he doesn't want it anymore, he's sleeping. The elders caught wind of this. They called him into the office for spiritual abuse. They called me in and they said, we're so sorry that he's taking advantage of you. And I said, wait, wait, hold it. I didn't do that for him. I did that for God. You don't know my background. For me to get up and serve someone at three, this is training. I needed that. I need to be able, that, that was how I needed to be discipled. I needed to be able to get up at three o'clock in the morning because now when you call me at two or three, when anybody calls me, I can get up and go serve. Then I had another man, Charles Robinson, who taught me not the word, but the ways of God. He taught me a different way. He knew the ways of God, the principles of God, which are very different. 
and he taught me too. So I was discipled under two different guys. It was a powerful time. So I've had the privilege to also disciple many young people. I've discipled a, a guy by the name of Marshall, Melinda, Wendell, Danny, Annette, Thomas, Nicole, Tirza, and Joe. All of those names are people that are now in ministry in this country and in other countries that we discipled. And when I say discipled, I mean they actually moved in to our house and we walked with them for months, sometimes years, where we taught them how a pastor lives. We taught them what it means to live a lifestyle of worship. I can remember Thomas, for instance, was an ex-gangbanger. And I said, we're going to go visit an urban church, a very poor church. And we went into that church. And he knew we were going to go on a trip when we left. We had so much money because he kept the money. I said, give the offering, all of it, to the church. He said, well, aren't we leaving to go across the state, across the country? We were going from one part of the country to another. I said, yes. And, and I said, give all of the money to that church. So he gave it all. And we went outside and said, are you ready to go? And we had one full tank to go all the way across the country. And I said, Lord, what are you doing? And he says, I'm, I just, just be obedient. And we started driving. And young disciple Thomas just looked at me the whole time. Like, how are we going to get? We have one tank of gas. How are we going? And he just stared at me like, you gave away all of our money to that church. We're going across the country and we have one tank of gas and it's going down as we drive. And when we get close to running out of gas, we would just pull up to a gas station and we would just wait. Lord, you said this. Remember the first time we were right by a gas station, right by the pump. I'm just waiting for the pump. I don't, don't have any money. And there was a McDonald's right there. And the person that was in the window was serving food. And about a half an hour, we're waiting there for a half an hour. And this guy, just started, he's just staring at me like, you dummy. Like, you know, like, you know, you're discipling me. What are we doing? And this kid, about 17 or 18 years old from McDonald's, came around the window and came across and said, how much gas do you need? And filled it up. And the eight Phillips all across the country, something happened like that each time. It was powerful. And what it taught this young man, as he is the leader of a great ministry today, was unbelievable. Getting out there, you guys, as Pastor Tim says, he says that you may receive a tap on the shoulder to either be disciple or to disciple someone. And that's just a little bit more. See, we, we have to understand the difference between mentoring and discipling. Very, very different. This is a very important charge as we come close to closing. Let all of us fully engage in our Let's Go Weekend to pray declare and to serve in our city of Easton. Matthew in the ninth chapter and the 37th verse and 38th verse. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly. 
to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Our prayers in this next couple of weeks need to be praying. We need to pray that we go out. See, the harvest is ripe. It says the harvest is ripe. There are people that in Eastern right now that are waiting on us. The harvest is ripe. The problem is not the people. The problem is us. We have to be the laborers. We must go out. And as the word says, and as our theme says, and as the weekend says, let's go. Let's go. And let's share the good news of the gospel. Well, you may think, well, I don't have a lot of word. I'm doing this. Just share the goodness of God and what he's done for you. And people will let you pray with them. Matthew 28 and the 19th verse. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, meaning all ethnos, all cultures, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, and behold, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, promises you when you go. Even when me and Thomas went, God shared that in my heart. When we went, he said he would be with us, and he was with us every step of the way. He provided gas, and we would just wait on the gas and reach back in that cooler and grab our bologna sandwiches and just wait. But he was with us. And as we go, we don't have to fear. As we go do work and serve and witness and love on people and pray, we don't have to fear. He will be there with us. He'll be there. We just have to go. Isn't it interesting that when Paul and Silas when they were arrested, when they found themselves in the innermost part of the jail. I have a thought about that. Now this is my own thought. Can, can I share? Do you mind if I just share my thought? Is that all right? Shaking your head so if I get in trouble with Pastor Tim, you can say, okay. So I have a thought. Paul and Silas might be identified as the pioneers of rock and roll. And they might have pinned the song Jailhouse Rock right, right during that time when they were in prison. Because the Word of God says that right about midnight, oh, y'all don't hear me, right, just right about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and they were singing hymns to God, and the prisoners, and they were all listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, 
so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and every bond was fastened. Were they maybe, were they just maybe singing? Going to the party in the county jail. I met my Jesus Savior, we began to praise. We're bound in chains, now we'll be set free. Come on, everybody, praise the Lord with me. Let's rock. Okay. Is that possible? Thank you very much. God is good. Let us really prepare in these next couple of weeks. I believe that this Let's Go weekend, our seven week, will be one like never before. I believe with this Acts series that we've been preaching and everything that has happened in our church in the last six months that we're ready now to go. We're ready now to go to do the work of an evangelist. We're ready now to go to share the good news of the gospel. You guys, we know, we know right now that this is the beginning of the end, of end times, and that we have work to do. God is not willing that any should perish. Let's all be obedient. And let's prepare for one glorious weekend where God will be glorified, where people will come to Christ, where people will see what this Cornerstone Church does that will bring glory to God, that will bring people to us to say, what must I do to be saved? That will fill this church and all of our churches and that God would be glorified. I'm so excited about let's go. So before I close in prayer on a count of three, can you just for the online, just scream as loud as you can, let's go. One, two, three. Praise the Lord. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Father, we thank you for this Book of Acts series, Father. We thank you for the call and the new vision, Father, that we will multiply disciples, Father, we think that we will multiply worshipers, churches. Thank you for what you're doing in the leadership at our church. Father, I pray that the vision would continue to be clear and that we would hear it, submit to it, and obey to it. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let the church say amen.